What's up, this is Esther, and you're now listening to Culture Study. Hey everybody, my name is Omar Issa, and welcome to Culture Study. I hope everyone tuning in is ready for a wonderful guest, because I'm joined today by the one and only Francis Esteban, or Esta. Esta is a producer and beatmaker from Southern California, who began his musical journey in 2006. Since then, he's gained a massive following, as millions of fans, including myself, have tuned in to hear his unforgettable R&B sounds. Esther reflects on some really big moments in his career, from gracing the stages at Coachella, to finishing his most recent EP in collaboration with Matt Keane, to even sharing some of his proudest moments, like performing in his motherland, the Philippines, and having a studio session with the likes of Kendrick Lamar and Genuine. We also delve into Esta's creative process as a music producer, touching on topics like the art of collaboration, how to avoid overthinking, and how he keeps his work as human as possible. Esta really is the definition of let the work do the talking. He self-identifies as an introvert and a homebody, generally prefers not to be in the spotlight, and barely even sits down for interviews at all. Esta said that about every five years, he'll be open to an interview, so I feel very grateful that he joined us on Culture Study for this five-year check-in. I had so much fun with this conversation. I hope you all enjoy it, and I ask that you share it with one other person who would enjoy it as well. Follow us on Instagram and tag us when you listen. Our handle is at Culture Study. You can also watch us on YouTube and Spotify. Just search Culture Study Podcast. Thank you all so much for the continued support. Peace. All right, so let's uh, let's start off with this. We'll kick off here, but uh, for those who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, how would you describe yourself? I'm an observer, pretty reserved, you know. It depends where you meet me, I guess. Like, like studio, I might be playful. Basketball court, I'm probably talking a lot. Some event, I'm probably quiet. I'm pretty selective, I guess. That's great. I definitely see Observer. Probably yeah, every yeah. time I've seen you, you're kind of just soaking in wherever you are. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I don't like going out, but if I do, like, I can, like, get something out of it in a way. Yeah. For, like, creative reasons, you know. So is that, like, observing a crowd? Like, yeah, just kind of what other artists are doing or DJs or? No, no, just life. Random interactions between people or just people living their life you know yeah just minding their own business how are you really doing like what have you been feeling recently it's been up and down actually because i'm starting my first album right now and it's interesting to me because i'm not used to doing stuff for myself it's so broad now for me to just create whatever i want and try and make it happen it's just a lot of narrowing down my ideas and focusing on one at a time and trying to make it happen yeah you kind of just mentioned it but maybe you can go into more detail like how do you approach putting together a body of work like a an album this is my first one for myself so i feel like it's a little different for other people it helps having another perspective because we just bounce ideas off of each other but now it's just me I mean, I have, like, my team and stuff, but creatively, I feel like I have to hone in with myself. That's difficult, because <laughs> I, I feel different every day, you know? That idea might not be the same tomorrow, so I have to just, like, lock in, but 
I think it'll be good when it's all done, though. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it will. Um, you've been in the game for a while. I'm actually surprised that this is your first like album for yourself, really. You know? Yeah, I tried starting a few times, but the timing wasn't right. The timing definitely feels right right now, and I have a few songs done already, so it, it, it helps me like stay motivated to just go through with it. I know you actually. You just recently said it that you were putting out kind of a call to collaborate with friends on the project, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. How do you choose you know, who to I work mean, with? I'm, I'm I'm down to work with anybody, like. If I finish it, then that's where I'll see if it makes it or doesn't make it and if it's cohesive with the rest. But, yeah, I just want to work with my friends, man. I feel like I've uh, developed a cool network of people now, and they know how I work as well, so that helps a lot. And there's a lot of uh, forced collaborations, so I'm just trying to avoid that and make my first album at least be with people I care about and know, and they know me as well. All right, so if you need a rapper... I'm right here, dog. Oh, yeah, bars, man. <laughs> we're going to use the mics? Yeah, we're going to use these mics. David, David's going to help us out. Um, no, I'm just playing. I actually do have a follow-up about that. I want to talk a little bit more about just this process of working on your album. How do you know when a track is finished? Like, if it feels good, then I'm good with that. I'm not going to overthink it. and It could even be a demo sometimes. But, and if that feeling is there, then I'll, I'll run with it, like... I try and preserve the feeling as, mo as much as possible. That's huge for me. What's the feeling that you're like referring to? If like the topic and the emotion aligns, I feel like that's mm. the sweet spot. Yeah, man, you got to keep it as human as possible in this AI world now. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have AI on the, on AI the album? <laughs> Actually, we had it on Intersections. No way. Yeah, ma it's mastered all AI. No way. Yeah. So what did the, what did you do? Just upload the the mix and then um, AI takes it from there. No yeah. way. Yeah, kind of crazy. It sounds good though. It sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> so it just it just so you're kind of using AI in a way that kind of just makes your life easier as an artist. Yeah, it's like instant. You know, you get it back in two minutes or something, and you can uh, revise it after that still. I'm I'm about to put an AI version of myself just to sit in this chair and start doing interviews, just yeah, whip, them, whip them out. Yeah. <laughs> Super efficient. Yeah, seven episodes a day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so funny, man. Uh, okay, so let's let's talk about this right now. Do you call yourself a producer? I say, yeah. I'll say a music producer, yeah. Producer? Yeah. Sometimes if I don't want to talk to people, I just say DJ. <laughs> just to get it out the way. Why does that deter people from talking to you? Like, they'll be like, oh, who do you produce for? Uh, okay. I don't want to talk, like, <laughs> name drop or whatever. Yeah. Everyone's a DJ, so they don't they, they don't got no more questions after that. How do you feel about that, everyone being a DJ? It definitely affected me, just because, like, it doesn't feel as special anymore. It's not as appreciated, I feel like. The craft itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of shortcuts. and I mean, I'm not the most technical either, but... I respect the craft a lot, which is why I don't do it as much. Did it also, I feel like at some point, it must have been like a good portion of like your money as well, your income, right? Yeah, like for sure. So did that also take a hit in a sense when it came to like just this? Definitely, but I mean, it was around COVID time, so I couldn't DJ anyway. Oh, yeah. When that um, got taken from me, I was like, oh, I was scared, man. I was like, how am I going to make money? It was like that, and then when the NBA I was like, 
cut. I was like, damn, this is real. Seriously. <laughs> when, when the pre-bubble. Yeah, pre-bubble. I was like, damn. Those are the two now. big moments in your life where you were like, oh, man. <laughs> no I basketball. I can't go nowhere. <laughs> That's funny, man. Um, you also play a ton of instruments, right? I dabble. I don't know how to play for real, but I can get an idea out and then I'll call like a friend who actually plays an instrument to do it properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the let's talk about intersections, the EP. We just have passed a year, right? The yeah, one year yeah, anniversary yeah. of it. So it was um you and Matt Keen, mm-hmm, kind of Matt a collaborative Keen. EP. Um a couple reviews I saw online, some of the comments and some of the reviews. Absolute perfect body of work. Yeah. One of the best R and B albums I've heard in a long time. It's amazing. What do you uh what are your reflections on it? How do you feel about it you know one I'm, year post. Shoot, i'm grateful mainly towards matt because i always felt like i could do a great body of work but i don't think an artist has trusted me as much as mac has um for not only like the audio like the music part but like all around creative stuff i feel like we were still playing it safe at the same time because that's like an introduction towards both of us. Interesting. So the album, when we get around to it, I think it's going to be sick. Yeah. I know I, I was doing a little digging, and so you met Mac in March of 2020, so that's COVID hit, yeah, right? Yeah, right before, right before. Yeah, we linked up. I played a few beats. He liked a bunch, and we tried to start um, cutting ideas, but none of the gear was working. Oh, really? Yeah, like... I don't know, just he couldn't record anything. There was always some technical thing going on. So I just let him like take the beats home and everything was solid. Super was one of the first ones. Thought of you, I think, also. And then COVID and- happened and we just worked throughout COVID. And he has a studio, so that helped a lot. Yeah, it just it just worked out perfectly. He described you as musical kindred brothers. Both of you guys were going through similar things creatively, felt stuck um, in maybe like a specific version of yourselves. What what were you experiencing? I, he's he's incredible. But me, I'm like always questioning because I don't know how to play. For I can't read music. I can't compose music like like a lot of other people. But so I question that part of me a lot. But I also think it's. A strength in a sense but we're both like not the most confident people you know but like working together we kind of like gave that to each other it's still a constant battle of course you know like being creative or whatever but we we definitely gained a confidence from intersections and i was just trying to maintain it and do do it even bigger yeah how do you feel like you gave that confidence to each other creatively? Sometimes when I pitch an idea to like other artists, it's like they're not really feeling it. And you kind of question yourself after that, you know. But he, he, he'll take an idea that I thought was wild and then kill it. And then that makes me feel like, oh, yeah, I was right the whole time. You know? mm-hmm. All right. So with collaboration, feedback is obviously important. Yeah. So how do you give feedback to someone like Mac give or someone in general that you're collaborating with? Mac's a completely different story. That's like 
family now, so I was I actually talk a lot to him because <laughs> he's so good. Everyone is gonna tell him like, "Oh, this is crazy. This is crazy." I have to be that one guy to be, just be an asshole and tell him straight up because he's so incredible musically. He can keep stacking harmonies over harmonies. I'm like you don't gotta do all that. You don't gotta flex all the time. You know, you can just keep it simple. It's more human, I feel like, but yeah, it's like no, no real problems. He's capable of doing so much. Separate from Mac, how are you? How do you feel like you can give feedback to another artist that you're collaborating with? Again, like working with Mac, it gave me the confidence to speak up a little more, and and yeah, I'm I'm cool with like giving feedback and taking feedback as well. It depends on the artist too, though, because like you can see sometimes in the studio, they'll get in their heads a lot, and you don't want to like disrupt the thought, their thought process and creative flow. So you just have to be observing and see how they're feeling at the time, but still get the message across somehow. <laughs> yeah. What are some of your favorites off the, off the album? Did you have a specific favorite that I'll tell you mine? Yeah. Well, thought of you. Okay. Was was definitely one of them. And then uh, I think the first track is Without You. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That one I feel like it slept on. I like that one too, yeah. Without You. But I love Never Enough, I think. Never Enough? Yeah, yeah, the acoustic song. Yeah, because of how it started, but I also like making ambient music for fun. And I got to incorporate it in that song a little bit. Um. And I always wanted to make an acoustic song. I love listening to them, so it was yeah. nice having my own. But yeah, Thought of You is cool, too, because we got to work with the team on that. Joyce. Yeah. Yeah, that's our, like, our team. I was with them last night, working on a song for my album. Amazing. That's going to be sick. Do you have a set number from that album? Like, how many tracks songs? And how you're kind of piecing that together creatively. I know you said this is your first time doing it. Yeah, definitely like 8 to 14. Mm -hmm. Depends how many songs I can actually finish and get back from artists. That's probably the hardest part, like catching them when they're not traveling and not tired from traveling. So well, When they're in the space to kind of yeah, create, yeah. right? And if they do create, can I get them back to finish it? You know, it's like... A lot of little things that I'm trying to work with. All right, so let's pivot. What's what's um what's a typical day look like for you now? You have yeah, any sort of routine? Yeah, routines are huge for me now. I'm getting older, man. Just trying to stay grounded with all the craziness and music. So yeah, I'll wake up around like eight thirty, no matter how late or early I sleep. Take my dog out. Cosmo. Yeah, Cosmo, take him out, let him <laughs> run around. It's the cutest little corgi, man. Yeah, that's my dog, <laughs> literally. <laughs> and then I get coffee, depending on what I'm doing, like work-wise. If I have time, I'll cook. Cook and stretch, like if I could get the time in. And after that, work, creative stuff. And then you've also got Clink. Yeah. International natural wine club mm -hmm, yeah what's the story with that uh during lockdown we were all like getting into the natural wine pretty heavily 
And then, we'll, you know, the Zoom parties we, we all used to do, um, we'll all just like review wines and like, get this one next week, get this one. And then we got the opportunity from Mike to do something at Love Hour. Mm. We didn't know what to do. And then we were like, let's just do a, a wine party. I could DJ and yeah, do everything in-house. Like, there's four of us in there. And everyone can contribute something important. So it just worked out perfectly. We're, we've been throwing them um, a little over a, a year now. It gets pop, more popping every time. <laughs> it's fun. It kind of just started as a fun creative outlet, really. Yeah. Is just, that still kind of the goal or what, where do you feel like you're taking that? Around the world. I want to bring it around the world, man. Like the wine is just like a thing to enjoy, but the music is what I'm like pretty proud of. I just curate it and put on all my friends. Yeah. Um, one more thing I think maybe kicked off during the COVID years was um, restoring your Mercedes. Oh, that was like a year ago. Yeah. A year ago? Okay. Uh-huh. So end of the co- the pandemic. Yeah. I wish I started the pandemic using all that that free money that was out here. <laughs> <laughs> I could have built it off that. Um, so tell me about it. It's a 1993 500 SL AMG. Yeah, yeah. AMG kid. So what um, what kind of got you started? That's my me time, man. Like it's fun to me, and I grew up going to car meets with my dad, and I never thought I'd get the bug this bad, but definitely did. It's cool. It brought me even closer to my dad. Or like really close. But now like text about car parts or certain cars. It's funny. Does he have uh does he work he on He usually cars does. Well? Right now he has a, a Tesla though. Hey. But he's like he got a motorcycle also, he's fixing that up. But he did lower than put rims on the Tesla like <laughs> he usually would. I gotta call him. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> yeah, he's a real car guy. I've witnessed some crazy stuff like he changed the whole transmission himself on our old Eclipse that I loved. I think that's the the car that made me fall in love with fixing up stuff. Let's rewind a little bit. You just mentioned your dad, but um, what was your kind of upbringing like, your childhood, and maybe a little bit about your, your heritage, your identity, family? I want to say we're like a typical Filipino family because my parents came here at a young age, they're like pretty young still, like young spirited, especially. I was born in Glendale, but they lived in Pasadena. I don't really remember it that much because I was so tiny. And then we moved to uh, Highland Park, and that's where I went to elementary school. And, and then after that, I moved to the Bay for a little bit. It just opened my eyes to like so many other ethnicities and their cultures and their food. So I think maybe that's why now like I could eat whatever. I love trying food. <laughs> After the Bay, I moved to Baldwin Park with my grandma for a summer, and then I went to high school in Temecula. Okay. And that was weird, because it's majority white people. Yeah, I always just felt odd there, and I wasn't into making music yet, but I was like, of course, into like, like underground hip-hop especially, so I didn't really have like a, a group of friends till like end of sophomore year, so I had two years where I was just like a loner. Mm. But then when I found my group of friends, they were like my best friends still to this day. And one of them introduced me to like making music. He really? sat behind me in, uh, in health. 
and introduced me to Fruity Loops. <laughs> I went over to his crib and I got addicted, man. I got I downloaded it on LimeWire. Yeah. That's taking me back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fruity Loops is the music production yeah, kind of uh-huh. software, right? Yeah. yeah. How old were you there? I was 13 when I, I, I started dabbling. And then 15, 16 is when I like started taking it more serious. Is there any specific or multiple like memories that kind of stand out from your childhood that really shaped you? I remember in elementary school, like... I had a homie that I, you know, you see all your friends every day at school. And one day he was just gone. He like drowned at the the community pool. And then after that, I'm like, damn, are you, you see these people every day. Then they can just be gone like that. You just never know, you know? Yeah. That, might, that must have been like your first introduction to like the idea of mortality like yeah that it exists you know like not everyone's here yeah forever. and then i had another best friend his dad's like a crib <laughs> like <laughs> um like i used to walk through his house and like all these shaved head guys and wearing blue in front of the crib just letting me walk in <laughs> i had no idea i thought they were just like his his dad's friends <laughs> and then you walk yeah, into a one day household. he was gone wow not for the same reasons as the other homie but Went to juvie, I'm assuming. Yeah, he was a bad kid. Like, he saw one kid, like, push me against the, um, what is it, the wall ball? I don't know, wall yeah, ball. yeah. Bro, I was tiny, so I got bullied a lot. And then he, like, took that kid to the bathroom and dumped his head in the toilet. No <laughs> like, way. He gave him a swirly? Yeah, yeah. That's wild. <laughs> so, yeah, it was. He had a bodyguard. Down- yeah, I did. <laughs> Shout out Tino, man. <laughs> I named my first pet after Tino. The little parakeet. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. That's pretty easy. That's interesting. Yeah. How do you feel like those experiences kind of shaped you in your, like, as you grew older? Well, the first homie was like, it's just weird not, because you're at school five days a week. Then all of a sudden he's just not there anymore. Yeah, it's just always been a thought in my mind now. Like, I might not see someone tomorrow. And that, as we're getting older, it's like happening. Even like my heroes, Kobe and Dillard, just gone. It still trips me out. You know, you gotta enjoy what you have still. What were some of your earliest influences? Like, who were you? You said underground hip hop. Who were you kind of listening to and what were you watching? I know basketball was obviously a part of that. Yeah, from, yeah. Basketball's been with me sport, forever. Yeah, sports perspective. What about music? My parents are very... My mom's a huge hip-hop, R&B lover. My dad was very broad. His iPod would have like 50 Cent's album <laughs> and then Kelly Clarkson's album or... Christina Aguilera, like yeah. a bunch of random stuff. No skips. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, made me open to a lot of things. But as far as, like, my influences in high school, like the hip-hop time, I loved um, my favorite song in high school was Reality Check by Binary Star. Mm. All my influences at the time were, like, real big samplers, 
Ninth Wonder, Just Blaze, Kanye. Kanye, I was listening to him this past week, like his older beats. He's a monster on the production. His ear for samples is just, it's up there. Uh, I was huge in the Dilated Peoples. I think that trained my ear for like sample chopping and a lot of that. But then it got to a time when I was creating a lot where, you know, you can't sample for free. So I had to learn how to compose. And then Ryan Leslie was a big part of my musical journey because he wasn't sampling. Um, kind of influenced me to like pick up the keys and do my own. What made you kind of push towards transitioning to being a musician full time? Like when when did that happen and kind of how did that happen? Um, what job was I working? Oh, yeah, I was working at a little sticker kiosk at the mall, like, you know, the <laughs> custom car stickers. This was right out of high school, so I didn't go to college. My parents were, like, questioning what I was doing. So they were like, you either got to get a, a job job or uh, go to college. And I was like, man, I'm out of here. Or, or move out. <laughs> so I moved out to San Diego. And then uh, it just forced me to, like, go 100 on music. I even, like, treated it like a 9 to 5 for a little bit. I wasn't making bread like that, so... I got a job at J Crew, and then uh, I started um, releasing music with Selection, and started getting a little traction with them. And they brought me in to do a a few gigs early on, and then they gave me an offer to play Coachella. Wow! It was like early, like the first set of the day, like eleven a.m. or something. So there was no one there, <laughs> but you're on the bill, you know. Yeah, it's Coachella. Wasn't a selection at that point was the first collective ever to be um, brought on. Oh, I didn't know I think, that. I think that selection, yeah, it must have been that year. 2014 or something like that. Yeah. The first collective, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty dope. Carmack was there. He didn't know how to DJ at the time. He was playing beats off his laptop. Wow. Like iTunes. I, I barely knew how to DJ. Um. That's so interesting, too, because I know it's always been a journey and just thinking about Andre and Joe and just obviously the growth of the entire collective. Mm -hmm. But it's always looked pretty buttoned up, even though on the back end, I know there's, you know, like you just mentioned, like you're still yeah. early, like in your career and figuring yeah, it out. Man. But on the front end, it looked pretty solid. Yeah, we're all young, man. Like any good opportunity, we're just going to jump on it like we didn't have a place to say we camped. We, I think that's why early on we all gravitated towards each other because we all were very like-minded, had the same goal in mind, and loved the same music. Yeah, we, we're still all pretty close, man. Like Everyone's killing it on their own. Dre got a crazy party now, Link up, traveling, doing four-hour sets. <laughs> like, it's insane. We're all getting older, but like... Love for the music's never changes. So yeah, well, and then you and then you see like the the next generation kind of start to yeah. Rise. That's crazy. I that's think about Alea. Oh yeah, super monster. Talented. Yeah, all the young homies are just just like us when we were at their age. You know, hungry, hungry, super passionate, creative as well. I, I respect them for like making their ideas happen. Like, no help or anything, just doing it for themselves. I admire that a lot. Speaking of which, 
I'm I'm thinking about like the SoundCloud era. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, the whole selection crew really in many ways was kind of popping off. Yeah. But you in particular were really like, your music was hitting. I think I just caught the wave at the right time. Because before I was on Selection, I think I had a bigger following than Selection on, on SoundCloud. But really? only because I was uploading like beat making videos on YouTube. This is like 20, when? Nine, 2009. 2009 to 2010. Yeah, around then. Like, and I was people huge. barely knew YouTube was like. Yeah, yeah, you had like a, what is it? Two, like two minute limit or something like that. You could only upload that long. But, uh, and then I was on Tumblr a lot too. But you couldn't upload more than one track a day on Tumblr. So I would use SoundCloud just to get the link and upload it to tumblr uh, but then it got traction on soundcloud so it, it uh i had an early following before it was like starting to pop off you had some i mean some of your like remixes and some of your original production i still i was listening to them yesterday so yeah, though can't you, wait the oh Xavier Omar, yeah, yeah. uh the tanache remix yeah i would bryson I, tiller you did some really really amazing I don't want to say amazing. Thank you, man. But yeah. listening back, I'm like, damn, this is it's not good. But it was clever, I guess, at the time. Yeah, and catchy. Yeah, yeah, it worked. But <laughs> I don't think it was musically great. I, I I also didn't know a lot about music at the time. Yeah, like composing and stuff. So, how what have you kind of like when you think about your sound then to thinking about your sound now? Like, what? It's funny, man. I was just thinking about the because. Back then, I had like really cool ideas, but didn't know how to execute it. Now it's like reversed. I'll have ideas every now and then, although I know how to execute them to a T now. So that's why I try to remain as young and youthful as possible because you got to retain that like wild and free mind state to get these random ideas. Did you ever have an idea or uh, something you created that? On one end, you were like, oh, this is it. And then on the other end, you put it out and you were like, man, I don't think people get it. I feel like that happens a lot for me. Yeah. Maybe I just didn't approach it properly or fully. I don't know anything in particular. But there's a lot on intersections that I that I felt like were right and I was yeah, correct about it. I knew Thought of You was going to work. OML I knew it was going to work and Super. Yeah. They're just all great tracks. Super is amazing, which is the first track. Yeah, yeah, the oldest song we have was Yeah, that. but you yeah. finally put it out. Yeah. It's just easy to digest, I think. And Mac like nailed the approach his approach on the song as well. But it's hard to gauge like when you're creating something and versus putting it out cuz the timing difference is huge. It could be like a whole year or three, like Super was. <laughs> yeah. What would you say to like artists or creatives who are maybe listening to this and feel a bit stuck? Man, how I combat like feeling stuck now is just dropping music, not like giving it up, but like just go outside and live life, I guess, because that's the only way. 
I used to have a bad habit of forcing my ideas and it would backfire, like just go a downward spiral of like questioning my abilities and all that. So just put it on pause for a few weeks even. Just go outside and have a conversation with a random person or old friend, anything, you know, just away from the studio. Before you know it, it's been like three weeks and you come back and like pumping out music. Ideas just free flowing. So and we be have, easy on yourself along the way. <laughs> you said be easy on yourself? Yeah, that's that's huge. I feel like I was the worst with that. Because I'm so competitive, man. Like I'll beat myself up till I, I get it right. Yeah. No need. It's so funny though because you're so composed. Oh, so inside. Like, I feel like man. it's all internal. You know, I feel like I should blame Kobe for that. No, but <laughs> maybe he's such like a dog, you know, I, I feel like I got that in me now, which is also good. You know, I feel like under pressure, it makes me stronger. The pressure is uh, sometimes it's a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like I, I like being in that space, too. I feel more locked in. Yeah. It forces you. I feel like it forces you to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And and now that I have like a team, I feel. I think like I'll let them handle it like along the way, and then I'll I'll be more present when it gets like, when maybe someone's not feeling the best this day or like you know when things aren't fully there. I feel more like ready to go in, in those moments, whereas we're all like going hard at the same time. Um. So we got some former culture study guests who have some questions for you. No way. Oh man. One of them is from the one and only. Jordan Nicholson. Oh, man. <laughs> I was just with him, I think, less than a month ago. No way. Yeah. I was the mayor in Seattle. of Seattle? The mayor <laughs> brought me around. I love him, man. Yeah. Oh, man. I've known him before selection, too. Oh, yeah. He's like OG sneaker collector. Incredibly creative. Incredibly creative. Probably one of the most generous people I've ever met. Yeah, man. I love that guy. Met him in um, 2013. In my, my first, it was like a spring break. Mm-hmm. And the guys and I went to Seattle. and uh, You had to meet he was, the mayor. Yeah, yeah. we heard about him. But then also he was just skateboarding by us as we like oh, stepped really? into Seattle. And I was like, Jordan? <laughs> and he was just, it was his first day at Ebbets Field. He was working at the, I remember the that. hat. I remember that. Yeah, uh, he actually company. gave me a jersey. Like he made me a baseball jersey. Yeah. Super, I still have it. It's like Esther with all different type of fonts. So cool. Yeah, man, I love that guy. Yeah. So his question is, um, Esther, what? Is one of your favorite things about yourself? And there's a follow-up. Okay. This is one thing I, I, I recently noticed. I feel like I attract good people because I'm not like the most, I'm not going to be the one to initiate a conversation or anything, but all my life. Yeah, yeah, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> all my life, I just, people gravitate towards me and I notice that they're like, really good people and then a lot of them are still in my life majority i don't really cut people off because like no need to they're just a lot of good people like in high school even i i was mute in high school bro. i didn't talk to nobody but like my best friends they all like came up to me and yeah i don't know how or why but i'm grateful <laughs> because yeah. i'm not talking to them like that you surround yourself with people, or they surround themselves. Maybe it's an energy exchange. Maybe, but just good people around how. you. Yeah. Follow up to Jordan's first question is: mm-hmm. 
what's one way you, that you've been growing that you're proud of? I guess letting go a lot more. Picking and choosing my battles. In what um, capacity? In that competitiveness, you know? Like, I don't got to prove myself to nobody. <laughs> and also being like a softer human towards myself. I feel like that's a, a huge part for me. Because I, I never talked good to myself. Like, hyped myself up. I'm more generous with, my, with myself now. I'm still not the nicest, but I give myself time. And I'm able to, like, sit with myself and not, like... Uh, you know, just talk bad to myself like I used yeah. to. Where did you feel like the negative self-talk came from? Because you talk a lot about, or you you're just kind of like hearing your story. I think you're quiet, like you're quiet yeah. in many parts of your life. Uh, man, I feel like maybe it could be upbringing. I think in a, a lot of like Asian cultures, there's not much like, uh, what's the word? Like reassurance or something? Reassurance, affection also, you know? They're like quick to tell you when you do something wrong versus when you actually do something good. So I feel like that got me in my head a lot. That's no like bash on my parents. They, I feel like they raised me perfectly because no matter how well I do, I still feel like there's no way I could be cocky. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that has a huge effect on like how I think and carry myself another question from another former guest and i also think a former roommate of yours jeff oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> jeff I saw him the other day too you saw him yeah clink he had a more technical question do you still remember how to use an mpc damn i haven't touched one in years but i feel like i could figure it out i actually want to mess i have jared jackson has mine can you also explain what an MPC is? Because I am lost. It's a, a sampler. Oh, okay. It's like one of the OG samplers that a lot of hip hop guys use, like Kanye, Dilla, all my influences. So yeah, I had I had two of them in the past, and that was like my bread and butter. Now I think it's like a lot of simple, like technical, like or more difficult things I had to do on that. I could do in the computer in seconds now, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. But it did teach me how to. How to do a lot of things like swing and chopping samples. Train my ear to hear chops before they even get uploaded onto something. I think I could figure out how to use it though. It's been a few years, but I spent so much time on that thing. I feel like I could yeah. probably make a beat. Riding a bike? Yeah, I think it's one of those things. Um, shout out to Jeff for the question. Shout out yeah. to Jordan for the question. Yeah, let's pivot into a little bit of a reflection. Well, I feel like this whole thing has been a reflection. Yeah, for sure. Um, how do you find joy these days? It's hard to be sad when I have my dog around. <laughs> Cosmo. <And> Cosmo <laughs> be smiling at me all the time. <laughs> uh, other than that, cooking, eating a good meal, coffee alone brings me joy. Coffee alone. Coffee alone, man. Nobody else. I mean, no, like just like that alone, like oh, coffee, coffee alone. itself. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I thought turn you my day yourself. I mean, yeah, that's that's cool too. That's cool too. Uh, and then now car stuff. Um, simple things. Simple things, man. Like when I was younger and DJing often, I would like make a good amount of money to buy stuff I always wanted. After a few years, I'm like, I bought all this stuff to know that I didn't need any of it. 
Like, I, I would, like, look up to these things and be like, damn, I, I hope to get these things someday. Men means nothing. Half the clothes I was collecting, I don't even have anymore. But it, it did help me know that, like, where these designers got the inspiration from and right. why they do certain things. So it, I guess it wasn't a complete waste. <laughs> so I just know how to get the cheaper versions of whatever they drew, drew inspiration from. Yeah. What would you say is your superpower? I would say uh, the attraction. I've attracted good people in my life. I only work with my friends. My whole team is my friends. And if they weren't before, they're great friends now. Like Max Manager. I didn't know him before. Now, like, saw him the other day. Just I could talk with, like, deep with Danny. I'm very selective with who I, I talk to, man. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is, like, being a little bit reserved itself. It's ironic because you're usually on a physical stage, have been on a physical stage, like DJing, or your music is, you know, getting released out into the world to, like, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of listeners and viewers. And I think that gets to a lot of artists' heads at times. Whenever I see you, you're not looking for attention. You don't want any attention. Oh, like, you man. actually prefer no it. attention. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, you also have, like, a very peaceful and positive, you know, just, like, aura and energy. And so maybe that's part of what brings Shoot, good people so. around you. I hope so. I'm also, like, like if I allow you in my space, I could be a dork, man. Like, I'm, <laughs> I like cracking jokes and stuff. But, yeah. Or, like, roasting people. Like, <laughs> no, but that's a great quality to have. It's a great superpower. I hope that's what it is. I don't. I don't know. I'm still trying to like figure out why. Maybe there's nothing to figure out. I'm yeah. just blessed in that way. Um, what role has failure played in your journey? Oh man. And uh, maybe how have you learned from from mistakes? And Sometimes failures? I'll j jump into something um, without doing any like research or looking into it. And just dive in and. And, that, and just to, like, speed up the process, because I'll fail, but I'll learn, like, what I did wrong instantly. So I think that's my approach now. Because I would, like, I'm a super anxious person, but and I'll, like, overthink the whole scenario. Like, even coming to do a podcast, I'll be like, damn, what could go wrong? <laughs> like, just everything that could go wrong, you know? Like, just dive in. If it, something happens, I learn from it. Next time, it won't happen. Yeah, so you kind of look forward to failure, and maybe not look forward, but like you are it's something, open to it. Yeah, I'm open to it. I think I think you you have to be. It's gonna happen at some point, you know. I think being cool with failures probably the best thing you can do. It's funny because even just like in planning this with you, typically I'll have like a agenda, send yeah, it over yeah. an outline. I was like, Yo, Francis, you want? Nope. Yeah, yeah, nah. <laughs> Look, well, that, I'm that'll just going to let it flow. Yeah, yeah. it'll make me overthink. And I don't like being in that space. I'll, like, talk myself out of it. You might have heard, like, an excuse or something if I, I overthought it. Yeah. <laughs> What's something you've always wanted to do but have been too afraid to try? Um, I do want to get in the fashion space eventually. I haven't tried it because uh, at first... I have a lot of homies that are in it, and I respect that that craft so much. I just like I didn't want to disrespect them, but I'm also now like like now's not a good time. I'm like 
trying to focus on an album, why would I focus on a whole nother art? So I think like when the time comes, I think it'll be just right because like I'll get an inspiration throughout the album process, life, you know, like it'll happen when the time's right, I believe it. But yeah, I would like to explore that world a little more. What are moments of self-doubt like for you? How do you kind of work through them? Self-doubt used to go like months, man, like months at a time. I did go to like therapy for a little bit and that helped a lot. Mm. What did you pull? Like, what did you take away from therapy? It's, it's really every like going to therapy. It's stuff we all know. You just hear it from another person. Like, oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost a self-doubt. It's like you need to hear it from somebody else. You're right, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's really just, like, navigating through it, I I think, is, uh, yeah, just being kinder to yourself. Like, uh, getting a little older, like, we know all the answers for whatever we're going through. But half, half of the battle is just, like, allowing ourselves to be okay with it or taking the risk to solve it and live through it. Because you don't got to, like, solve it in that very moment. Yeah, it's going to pass. You just got to be okay with taking the time, I think. At least that's my toughest battle. Yeah. Closing out a little bit. Have you thought about kind of your legacy and essentially how you want to be remembered? I I try not to, but you can't. Like, with the passing of Kobe, I was like, damn. It was pretty flawless for the most part. It didn't, it almost, like, how's your last game, like, a 60-point game? And, like, uh, his transition out of the NBA was so smooth. He left it all on the floor, you know, no regrets. So with that, I was like, damn, I started thinking about it a little more. And, yeah, I hope to leave the same way. But I'm also, like, I live a pretty cool life. Like, if it happens tomorrow, knock on wood, I'm cool. I got good people around me. I feel like... Just traveling to do music and put out music freely, that's ultimately the dream. So I feel like I'm good right now. You're doing I don't want to you know, leave this place, but uh, I'm happy with what I've accomplished and left behind thus far. It's not the best work I, I think I could do, but it's out there for people to enjoy. All right, a couple quick rapid-fire questions as we close out here. All right. Coolest career moment so far? Dang, probably uh, going to the Philippines to play music. I've never been to the homeland, you know? And to go for music was like, damn, that's a pretty, yeah. pretty cool moment for me. I also got to play beats for Kendrick early on. No way. Yeah, he didn't pick none, but because, yeah, it was so early on. But it was just cool to be like, I played beats for Kendrick. Can you tell me? Can you tell me about that experience? That's amazing. It was after a, a, a Sound of Tomorrow you know, selection event back in the day at the Echoplex. Back when we used to do it over there, Tunji was like, "What are you doing right now?" I was still living in San Diego, so I was like, "I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go home." I was like, "You want to play beats for Kendrick all the way in Santa Monica at like three in the morning?" Like, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> so I went over there. He took like three beats, but nothing came out of it. What was it like working or just like sharing music with someone? Like, I mean, know, at the Kendrick's time, he level. wasn't like as crazy as he is now, but I still admired his work. So, And I was also very like timid playing beats at the time. 
So I was like, quiet, man, just press and play. It's cool, dude, cool, dude. Yeah. Really like human. It's chilling on the chair, no shoes on, <laughs> like <laughs> feet weren't touching the ground. <laughs> That's all I remember from that. But yeah, it was cool, man. If you were in that room again now. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely getting something on that. He's picking something for sure. Would you I feel like uh, where he's at musically now is totally more aligned with where I am today, too. So I think it would work out. I also thought you were going to mention Studio Time with Genuine. Oh, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. <laughs> I call him my uncle now because uh, I have two managers, Jasmine and Monty. Monty's related to Genuine. Oh, wow. So like whenever he's hung out with us, we'll like just go eat like tender greens or something <laughs> random. Really cool guy. Yeah. I wish, man, I'll see if I could get him on the album. Yeah, just be, like a hook or something. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I'm going to ask Monty. <laughs> I feel like he's also aligned with the sound-wise. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was, sure. he was ahead of his time. Yeah, you, you for know. sure. Yeah, he, he cut something to one of my beats back in the day. I wish I could hear it. But we'll see. I'll ask. I'll ask. Hopefully, I could get blessed by the OG. By Unk. By Unk. Big Unk. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, because now I call him Uncle, too. Yeah. By by association. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, what do you uh, What are you listening to these days? Um, right now, I'm still in my little ambient bag. I love ambient music. Right now, it's like Brazilian jazz. I like mm. like bossa nova type or some bossa nova. There's a lot of stuff that just sounds so soulful, like seventy soul. I like disco, funk stuff right now. I really like that uh, group that Anderson signed. Crazy uh, pianist and drummer. I forgot their names, but they're nasty. Like crazy musically. Like stuff I don't even know how to explain. Yeah. Because I'm not like, I don't know music theory like that. But they're just, it sounds crazy. Oh, and McGee. He's probably one of my more bigger inspirations right now very cool mcgee what's the dot g-e-e he's sick man what's the sound uh it's like it sounds like old rock stuff really have you do you know dijon Mm -hmm. yeah he he was like uh producing a lot on his last album yeah so that sound is like mcgee i just want to ask i had one more question but i realized that you feel like you don't really play instruments like you can't call yourself yeah, a yeah. pro at them. Not at all. You uh, can't read music. No. I guess um, I'm curious about what your strength is when you when you think about yourself as an artist. I feel like I hear certain things a certain way. I'm big on like feeling and texture, and now I'm I'm comfortable with collaborating. Like I feel like before I was like, I have to do it all myself, but now. I'm able to like utilize the people around me to make these ideas happen and put my textures and uh, whatever my touch is on yeah. it. I think that's where I, I shine. And I love you know doing drums a lot. So uh, I feel like you might not give yourself enough credit for the for the instruments and for the because I'm surrounded things. by so many crazy musicians. I, I I never like to disrespect someone's craft like. There's people that have, like my good friend, Jay Bird, crazy pianist, one of the nastiest people I know musically. Like, he can hear a song, just know how to play it, type of thing. And 
and figure out different ways to play the same thing. And I don't know, just like crazy musical stuff. So I'm, I can't be like, yeah, I know how to play piano. Yeah. <laughs> but you know enough. I, I just trust my ear for the most part. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but if it sounds right and feels right, I'm I'm running with it. Last question is, uh, what's your favorite piece of advice? It might be a tattooed on your shin now that I think about it. No, 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 no. Right now, a big thing for me is uh, simplify, man. We know the answers to a lot of the issues or, you know, things we got to go through. And just like, there's a lot of unnecessary things in our life. Just simplify it. Yeah, we know the destination, our goals, and how to get there, but a lot of distractions get in the way of it. So just simplifying is, is big for me right now. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or any topics that have been on your mind or you feel pretty? I feel like we, you asked a lot of the right questions as far as like the superpower thing. I was, that's been on my mind a lot lately because like, I don't know how all these people... Um, entered my life and remain in my life i'm glad you know so well francis esther thank you so much for thank you man. being here so excited for for your journey man i'm excited for this album to come out first one after first all these one, years yeah. it's kind of wild um i can only imagine how good it's going to be and excited to help contribute to it as both a rapper executive producer and anything else that you need from me so no, thank you man <laughs> thanks for that was a joke <laughs> <laughs> no, no. you just got my mind racing like damn i got a whole album to work on now. <laughs> i just made you anxious <laughs> a little bit no, <laughs> defeated no, the good, purpose no thanks for having me I, I feel like i do podcasts like once every five years or something like <laughs> so it'll be nice to bookmark this and yeah, see yeah. a little timestamp. yeah exactly yeah absolutely man and yeah, I appreciate this. Hopefully we can run it back again when yeah. the time is right. Yeah, maybe after the album, see how I'm doing. Probably have eye bags and everything. <laughs> yeah, thank you, bro.